0: hey amazing podcast listeners listen this is part two of the martin dory business chat i had i know i've left you hanging there with the last podcast session and if you didn't listen to the first one you need to check that one out as well but listen this is part two of the martin dory podcast session i had he's the founder of the two minute beach clean he's uh, an incredible guy and i hope you guys get some real value out of it hope you enjoy it please subscribe rate review tell your friends and uh, i can't wait to catch up with you soon take care stay yeah, that's why I tend to record any videos I'm pointing at that nice brick <laughs> one. Yeah, that's just to let you know we are now recording the uh, part two of the oh, one. Right, okay. Okay. Good Mark good. Dory podcast business video, my them, but we just talked out the building outside, thinking they need to get some paint and clean it up a bit. Yeah. and these are like you know accountants with probably lots of money, so there's no excuses. But, um, so, if anyone sees my videos, you might tend to notice I point it in the red brick direction, the building with the red bricks, which because is pretty. It
1: makes it look like you live somewhere much nicer than it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all an illusion. So, uh, yeah, welcome back, guys. This is part two um, of the Ben Parry podcast experience. And uh, we're carrying on, picking up where we left off with Martin Dory. And for those who haven't listened to the first part, uh, Martin Dory. Is a man with many talents. He has um he's got Copy Monkey, which is a, a copywriting business. He is the founder of Two Minutes Two Minute to Beach Clean. He is a TED um speaker, he's um a, an author, he's written several books, he's got some more books coming out soon, which is amazing, and he's also had his own TV show. So incredible when you just look at that resume. I mean,
1: geez, yeah, know? thank you. It is phenomenal. I suppose it's Getting there, isn't it? But then you know you get to it's a get to fifty, and I guess you've done some stuff, haven't you? <laughs> and um, you know I'm lucky enough that I've been able to do it in the way that I want to. It's amazing. Yeah, and I look back on it and kind of every every bit is a struggle because every bit you have to work hard, and every bit of um, kind of you know I get really involved in my books and I I have an opinion, you know, and I'm really you know I I didn't used to have an opinion and now I have an opinion. I'm gonna flip and use it. Absolutely. You know, so if I don't think anything's right, I'm quite happy to say because I think that it's in pursuit of, it's not perfection, but in, in pursuit of excellence. So actually, I was, you know we've been debating cover of the latest book recently and it's included some elements of Tab's design, so you need to listen to the first podcast to find out who Tab is. Um, so, and it includes some elements of Tab's design and it, I don't think it was done properly. So, and I don't think it was done with as much understanding as I've got. So I was a, So I really had to fight quite hard. To make those changes and actually, it's, and that was the publishers that were battling. That was with the you. That was the publisher. But you're putting it back at me. Yeah. So with books that the publisher, if you're if you're publishing with a traditional publisher, um, this is with Penguin, um, they have got their way of doing things. So they design the cover and they design the print and they work with the author and you can get as involved as you want to. Yeah. Um. And I'm really um, hands on. I was described this week by another publisher, Bloomsbury. Um as, oh God, what was it? It was something that was a really polite way of saying that I interfere. <laughs> you, what you actually mean is you're a pain in the arse. Uh, yes, I think so. I'm a pain in the arse because I know how I want it. <laughs> and, I, and I think, well, I don't but necessarily that's so, know But that's how,
0: so important. Well, yeah, you've got to do it. If right, you put your name it,
1: to it. Yeah, well, it's my name on the cover, isn't it? 100%. So, yeah, so, and that was something that I learned very quickly during my first book, that you um, that there were certain things that were really important to me and certain things the publisher wanted to do. And I learned that you would fight the battles that you, that you want to win. Mm-hmm. Don't bother with the battles that you don't care about, mm-hmm. that don't mean anything. Fight the ones that you can... And I ended up actually having a conversation with the publisher saying, right, am I going to win this battle? And she would say, no. And I'd say, fine, I'm not even going to bother. But, and then, uh, you know, other battles, I'd say, well, I'm, I will fight the ones that I think are really important. And I would say, right at the very beginning... This is one that I'm going to fight you on, and actually, and it becomes you know you get a working relationship with somebody and they respect you because you, you can under because you're respecting their opinion. You're and, not being an asshole. I'm trying not to be an yeah, asshole. In, I'm in, sure in, I am at some point. But. No, but uh,
0: you're not fighting. You're not being an asshole for being an asshole's sake. If that makes sense. Uh, oh no. You know no, because no. you know I think people pick battles for any you know any reason something they don't like. But like you said, you, you have something's critical, mission critical for you that's the battle you'll fight. But yeah, if it's a yeah. little bit insignificant, uh, peripheral, then, you know, it, I guess you're working in a partnership fundamentally. And any yeah. partnership, you've got to give and take. And your partnership is with those publishers. So
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, yesterday we had some, um, some amends came back on this book. And, they ca- and, and I know that, uh, you know, I, I've obviously set myself up as being somebody who's quite, who cares quite a lot about what they do. And so, and I actually really enjoyed the process of going through amends. Yeah. And they, and they were, were really, you know, kind of like, well, oh, thank you. It's really nice that you, that you appreciate those amends. Mm-hmm. And I haven't agreed with them all, but I've done it nicely and I've done it because I know that those amends that they're making, I can see that they're going to be for the greater good of the book. Yeah. And if I refuse them, or, or because it's my work and I'm not, and, yeah. you know, these people it's a collaborative process it is. this person that's looked at this, t- at this text they normally, is an absolute expert in what they're, they're doing, yeah, they, know what they're doing yeah. they come to it cold and they say you need to explain this a bit more for example yeah. and if I go no I don't Yeah. I'm an arsehole yeah. but actually if I go actually I think you're right I, yes I could and I do it and I mean, respect their we, expertise yeah exactly because you, know, you, you, know, you can't do it on your own no. you can't because uh, well, you interesting, can. interesting. I wanted <laughs> to come <laughs> on to this and yeah. I think you're
0: just about to touch on it Have, the self-publishing yes so, because yeah. I've got a friend who's self-published using Amazon yes and I'll have to I want to do a podcast session with him because you know it'd be fascinating to hear his story a bit more and um, but I'm not going to go into that now but yeah what's the, your thoughts on self-publishing and have you looked at it have you explored it
1: um, yes I've thought about it and I've, I've thought about it quite a lot um, I'm lucky that I'm still within the traditional publishing model so I get paid to write the book um, and then I get royalties, as we explained in podcast number one. Um, if I but I can't afford to write a book, so I haven't got the luxury of a sugar daddy yeah. or a sugar mummy yeah. or uh, an inheritance or whatever. I yeah. have to survive, so I have I can't write books. On so you whip. get the money bang. You get the money, write the book. You know, yeah, because that is, that's what pays me to survive. So
0: fundamentally, if you didn't get the money, you couldn't write the
1: book. Yes, because I'm not in a position to give yeah. that amount of time. So that's the book.
0: difference between self-publishing and using a publishing
1: house. Yes, well, self-publishing, basically, I mean, the, the rewards for self-publishing are insane because they're brilliant. And you can, if, you've got, if you've got a massive Twister following, you've got a massive Instagram following, and I'm, and I'm talking millions, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got, um, just if you've got everything going on... Yeah, not really not a few hundred... Yeah, and, you know, it, then you can, you can punch that book out there and be ruthless because when you do self-publishing you're also not only are you a writer which is a lot of people do it because they're writers they want to be writers and they can't get published and they have to speak and that's what writers are like they have to talk like me now because I like to talk so they find their voice and they go through all the process of getting it self-published and then what you don't realise is or maybe they don't realise as much is that you it's like 10% writing 90% publicity marketing, mm. putting yourself out there, you know, doing the graft, selling the book. Now, with the traditional publishing model, you know, the, the guys at Penguin are going to meet the buyer from Waterstones. They yeah. do it for you. They get it in Waterstones for you. You can't do that on your own. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the job. So it's all about the distribution, and distribution, if you can create
0: your yeah. own distribution channel, i.e. a big social media following, yes, that you've got your distribution channel.
1: Well, in theory, and if you can, say, if you've got a hundred thousand, you know, if you've got a hundred thousand people following you, and you sell them a book for, say, a pound plus Amazon's fee, which would be ten p or something like that. If you sell hundred thousand people a pound, you've got hundred thousand pounds, yeah. and you don't have to share it with anybody. Yeah, but it's got to be good. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and you've got to do design, you've Even got for to, in- uh, but some authors, you know, some, there's an American author, I can't remember his name. He put out a novel for 50p and he sold <laughs> half a million copies. <laughs> so he's $250,000. Okay. <laughs> so this is the question. Was it a good novel or a bad novel? Was it the 50p? Uh, uh, well, 50p means you're likely to sell it. Yeah. Um, a good novel because he's a respected writer okay. and he's got a massive following. So it kind of like, yeah, okay, you can, you can skirt the traditional model if you've if you guarantee,
0: but, so if it was a bad novel at fifty p, it probably still wouldn't sell. Uh,
1: well, I don't know, but he's got a good reputation, so he could write <laughs> a load of shit and still and just go. Well, it's the great scam. In well, history. I'm just thinking I could write
0: a book for fifty p, you know, <laughs> just put it out there. But I haven't got hundred thousand followers so. Well, no, exactly. <laughs> but, but
1: you know, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? It's really interesting. I, it's throwing, it's turning it on its head yeah, completely. Because, mm-hmm. you, and again, if you put the effort in, if you if you are prepared to work, mm-hmm. you know. Personally, I can't afford to go self-publishing because I don't want to have the pain of distribution. I don't yeah. want to have the marketing problem. Yeah. And, you know, and so I, so the cover price of my book is 20 quid, for example. Mm. I'll take a pound of that. If you self-publish, you take 19 pounds and yeah. 50p. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, so you can see where it weighs up. But if you're only selling 10 copies to your family and friends, what's the point? Yeah, for, of course. You know, course. whereas if I'm selling one copy a week in Waterstones, <coughs> yeah. you know, that's where the, that's what you pay for
0: absolutely that's interesting but i wanted to go talk about and i know we've shortened for time um your experience or with um the tv yes, stuff, okay yeah and if we've got time maybe some of the ted talks or maybe we'll have to do another part three sometime yeah, okay. so i know there's tons to get through so let's let's have a chat about the tv how was that whole experience how did that start what what, what was your uh, um i guess what were you expecting to begin with you know did you have any sort of preconceptions going into it and then what did you discover you know when, once you've gone through that process
1: yeah, yeah, okay. um, it was really interesting uh, I worked for, before I became a writer I worked for ten years or more in the film industry in London so I worked as an assistant director for a long time so I kind of knew a little bit about oh, okay. how TV works um, but that's not to say that I didn't find it all completely surprising because I thought I knew. But it's actually only there were very practical stuff that I knew that I could, that I could help with. But um, so anyway, so uh, when I was writing my first book, um, someone at the publisher said, you know, Martin would be really good on telly because he's quite, you know, I'm
0: jaunty, you know, and upbeat. And I've yeah, got this yeah. kind of, you yeah. know. Well, and you are. You're, you're <laughs> very
1: I very to see. Listen, in private, honestly, I'm a miserable. <laughs> well, you know, when private, we're all miserable gits. It's so, funny.
0: Just quickly, I'm, I love people, but at the same time, I hate people. And I'll give you a quick example on that. I did. Um, I was just going to the supermarket. I did actually put this on my daily. It will be coming out soon. Somebody, I went to the supermarket late. And there's nobody in the car park. I parked the car, and somebody came in the park right next to me. And that just irritated the <laughs> hell out of me. Yeah, it so. a
1: bit. <laughs> Go away, your own space.
0: Yeah, so it's just, you know, we, we are what we are, aren't we? Yeah, it's all fun. But no, so, Martin's a super lovely guy, so... <laughs> I know you can't see this because this is a podcast, but... Martin's very careful, charismatic and he's just super friendly and is a kind of guy you'll definitely have a beer with. So
1: That's very nice of you to say, Ben, thank you, <laughs> despite the fact that I hate everyone <laughs> yeah. and I'm only doing it for marketing. No, I mean, you know, they, these guys said to me, you know, he's quite jolly and yeah. he's quite, you know, a bit sort of boy's own because yeah. I'm quite sort of like, come on, let's do this, let's make a swing in the woods. And, yeah, yeah. So but that's what the book was all about, yeah. It's about just getting out and getting in a camper van and going and doing shit. Enjoy life. Yeah. And so... And so um, basically, they they suggested that I met with Rick's Steins. I think it was Rick Steins' production company in in Plymouth. Yeah. So I had a meeting with them, and they sort of said, "Well, you know, you're not a known face, and blah blah blah." And I and I kind of thought, oh, geez, "Do you know? I they didn't they weren't really interested." But I thought, "Actually, do you know what? I should do this." So I so made. That's
0: interesting. So you got a knockback. Yeah. And it didn't put you off.
1: No, so I thought. Well, I I need to prove that I can do it. So rather than kind of people going, well, we don't know if you can do it. Yeah, um, I I can fucking do this. I can. Yes, I can. That was my language. Yeah. Well, you know, and I um, actually I went out with a friend of mine who's a cameraman and said, can we go for the day and we'll do some cooking and do some driving around and do some food and stuff and let's make a little pilot film. So I did that. Um, and that was done by Chris Harris of um, North Devon TV he for a was-
0: second I thought you said Chris Harris who for those obviously a lot of you will know Chris Harris on Top Gear but before he was on Top Gear he was uh, big on YouTube and I was a big fan of Chris Harris. On oh, so right, when okay. you said Chris Harris just no, there, I was that like, Chris Harris, Harris.
1: Like, no, YouTube, you the real Chris Harris, who runs a, who's a cameraman.
0: No, the real Chris <laughs> Harris. Come oh, right, on, not that man. You know, that yeah, yeah. guy.
1: So, so Chris did a great job. And Sorry, he, Chris. We yeah, <laughs> he made this. Um, he made this film for me. Yeah. Uh, which was it's called Campervan Mules. Cool. And you can still see it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. And it's a really lovely piece of music... A piece of... A really lovely piece of film. I just went down and I picked some mussels and I cooked them in my camper van and I just talked about camper van living and all that sort of stuff. Amazing. And so we sent that off and... Back to these guys in Plymouth? No, to somebody else. So, so you uh, screw you, I'm going somewhere else. Yeah, meantime, I spoke to a friend of mine who had an agent and I got into an agent, went to see an agent, showed them the film and they loved it and then they put me into production company and showed them the film and they said yeah we love this and they took it to the BBC and they said yeah we love this and so within about six weeks of making that film we were on the road shooting the first episode it was I mean it was insanely quick it was it was a really really quick mission
0: so from the moment that you had that rejection with that production company in Plymouth yeah to filming and being on the road how, how long was that
1: uh, six months, something like that, maybe. Wow. So it was pretty. It was pretty good, and I, you know, I, because I've had that experience in the film industry. Uh, I'm not saying that if anyone wants to do pre- presenting that they have to have that. They yeah, don't at yeah. all. But it enabled me to have a certain idea about what I wanted and how I needed to be, and you know, and I and I really love it. Awesome. I was, you know, it turns out I'm a show off. So, <laughs> but but you know, there were there were um, aspects of it that were quite. I don't know quite difficult and you know but it was just incredible doing it and the fact that we were on the road you know I had a new van because they didn't like the van the BBC didn't like the original van that I had I had a camper van and why was that? uh, because it wasn't a trendy (laughs) one So I sold that one. I sort of guessed that. Yeah, I mean, because it's like... You know, but you have to It's not it. TV friendly. Yeah, no, exactly. So you go for all the cliches, and unfortunately, yeah, yeah. you do tick all the boxes. And, you know, I had long hair. I'm a long hair surfer, yeah, yeah, and I could cook, and I drive a groovy camper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so...
0: Just for re- the record, Martin no longer has long hair. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: I cut it all off, because I could be me. Yeah, I yeah, could yeah. be me now. I don't have to hide behind my hair. But anyway, so so... So they loved it, and I, had to, I was like the whole package. And yeah. because I've spent all those years in camper vans when I was growing up... Well, um, it was genuine, you know. Gen- oh yeah, there was no sure.
0: It was not trying to pretend to be something you're not. So you mm. had proper authenticity. Well, I mean,
1: you know, I'm not a trained chef though, so my cooking is all just about me mucking about. So actually, from that point of view, I did feel like I was a bit of a fraud. But, I was, but because it's like, look, I can cook. Yeah. I'm not a TV, I'm not a chef, and I don't know what Jamie Oliver knows, yeah. and I don't know what the yeah. other guy knows, and I don't ever want to rival them,
0: yeah.
1: um, so, but I'll do what I can do, and I'm not going to turn it down, because it's know an what amazing think, opportunity. And I think
0: what's amazing about that is actually that real reality of things, because the reality is, anyone who's watching a TV cooking programme, none of us are chefs. Yes, that's so true. So if you can actually create a programme or a book about cooking from somebody who's not a trained chef and actually can produce amazing things and have a good fun doing it and, and have a great show isn't that amazing? It just goes to show that anybody can do it and actually I not only really so, can yeah. do it yeah. but can cook this food that you're trying to cook because Yeah,
1: well you live and breathe it I suppose and you know I was lucky that my publisher teamed me up with somebody who was really a really good recipe writer you know so we would talk sit and talk about what we liked and and then she would do all the magic stuff and i would prov- i provided a few recipes but not all of them and um, you know so it I, I was an i was able to use her expertise yeah, yeah. and she was you know she was great she's an incredible incredible person but the show
0: the tv show wasn't about cooking it was about it, that whole living outdoors in the camper van traveling around and
1: just living in life i guess i guess that was what it was it was the kind of whole picture the living the dream thing yeah. you know um, and and obviously it looks seamless on the telly, but it was really hard work. Okay. You okay. know, and it was hard work getting there as well. So putting having to really push to get that, and and, and all, but also having a lot of luck. Yeah. You know, so I so you, it's that thing about taking opportunities. So, I mean, I remember when my publisher called up to I did some work for her no ages, years ago I told a friend of mine who worked in publishing I wanted to do this book called the Canfan Cookbook and he said God that's amazing, brilliant. Yeah. And then about two years later. Um, he, he was talking to somebody who was looking for new books and said, I know somebody who can write your website for you because they needed a new website. So I wrote the website and then she found up and said, right, you've done the website, you can prove you can write, tell me about your book. Amazing. And I said oh for God's sake I'm too busy to write a book <laughs> right? and she said no no seriously tell me about this book so I told her and, and she loved it and she pushed me to do it Amazing. So and, and, and that is the start of it well it's not because obviously everything mm. that goes before that the writing training and all that sort of stuff but the telly experience was um, uh, was really interesting and it, it was difficult I can imagine interesting
0: what, one thing I wanted to ask was a little bit earlier you were talking about how <clears throat> you went to um I can't remember what they're called. An agent? Was yes. An agent who then no. went to what was the path again? Production company. So an agent to a production company who then, then went to, to the, the, the BBC. BBC. Yeah. So did you ever at any point just think I'm going to go straight to the BBC? And if you had gone straight to the BBC, what would you would you have got a look in?
1: Um, possibly not. Or possibly. It depends how good it was. Mm. You know, but the the, the fact was that there's that the agent knew the company would be receptive to what I was doing. Yeah. So they, they've got, I mean, they know a hundred companies and it, they chose the one that they thought might be the... And it's
0: all relationships, I guess, isn't it? They, yeah. So know somebody who can... Well, well there's, there's a friend of mine who had them.
1: just done a show with this same production company. Yeah. So he there, there was a kind of double introduction. Yeah, yeah. So, and and um, that's a guy called um, Stephen Gates who does... Uh, he's also known as the gastronaut. He does cooking, amazing guy. Um, and he, he kind of helped me out. And I worked with him as a runner years and years ago on a TV... On uh, a... Hot video when we were both runners and we were both getting not getting paid and just mucking about and he and I I got to know him and, and so and then he kind of when when it came to it he went yeah go and see these people and 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 he was with the same agent so I kind of got a shoe in there. Did um, you ever
0: think though to go direct?
1: No, because I didn't know anybody there at the BBC, so I didn't have any contacts. And also they have such a kind of screening process; they get loads of submissions every day. Yeah. So if you go in with a production company behind you going well they get the meeting for a start and they get the meeting and they sit down and they say we've got this guy you've got to see it and then they're in the meeting and they can, they can be enthused Whereas it's yeah. easy for the BBC to go yeah I'm not interested yeah. it's easy for them to turn it down it's really interesting
0: isn't it it's almost, can, a, almost again it, it almost sounds to me like a, a distribution route you know they can obviously get lots of submissions and they've got a, it's a lot of work for them to filter but if they've got a, a partner that they can team up with who they know the sort of quality that they're looking for it's almost easier for them to have that one-on-one relationship that when they yeah. have something that pops they can go you need to look at this
1: yeah well exactly I mean that's the point they, you know the commissioners are 30 or 40 people within the BBC or mm. whatever they are I don't know how many there are of them and they talk to the production companies and the production companies feed them ideas mm. you know and so if they find something they think is really good and they know the BBC also tell the production companies what kind of thing they're looking for okay so Um, so do you think
0: fundamentally it's just so much easier for them to use that model rather than having people submit directly
1: um, and cut out all those middle elements possibly but if you're trying to inspire people with this podcast you know and somebody's some young you know some young whippersnapper who's brilliant you know with a wok or whatever it is um, if he makes a load of followers and he gets this is what we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. the the, the, the channels mm. if he's creating his own channels TV will follow because if you're that interesting and you're that good and you've got that many followers the BBC will want to know and, and they, know. they will notice you and they'll notice you because you're being noticed in a different way yeah. so, so the, that's what's amazing is that I've a lot of the stuff that I've done is and been, that's all new though isn't it this that's really new, new but that's brilliant because mm. that's a new channel it's a mm. new way of doing things it's democratic mm. But because there's a with my stuff, it's a little bit of what I know. Sorry, it's a little bit of who I know, because I've been lucky that I've had introductions at the right time. Mm. Um, But that's not to say that somebody else couldn't have done the same thing. But now, well, then even if if I've got you know you Ben could be picked up as by a talent spotter for your podcasts any day now you know but it just takes a saturation point of people to follow you mm. and for work to do yeah. and you know and you'd be an amazing host you know <laughs> so so why wouldn't you get you're being far too nice no no seriously <laughs> but but you could but the, the fact is that because you're getting out there and you're creating your own channel you know this is the point well this... we did
0: talk about this before yeah. we went back live and talking about all these social media platforms yes. like TV channels I think, yeah yeah of, so, of the 21st if century you cre-
1: if you create your own channels and you create your own luck then sorry, if you create your own channel, you create your own luck. do something different, mm-hmm. do something that people want and that people look up look up to as being amazing and they'll only see what they want to see so they won't see all the rough edges. they'll just see the the bit in the middle um then why not? yeah, well anyone can do it. it's awesome, and this is what's amazing, isn't it? I mean
0: with uh you know with YouTube, you know you can create your own t v program I mean you could yeah. go and create your own another program and just put it on YouTube,
1: yeah, I guess so, yeah. It, you know, given given the amount of effort that it takes, I wouldn't because I don't have the time. Mm. But I'd love to, and it would be really good fun, I'm sure. Mm. Mm. Um, but you need, to, but again, if that's what you want to do, Absolutely. you can do it. Mm. You know, these beauty bloggers, for example, who do makeup in front of the in front of their the mirror and they put them on YouTube. These guys are are now commanding insane amounts of money for endorsing beauty products. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Good on them, yeah. I say. And, yeah. uh, you know, and and they've done it by forging a new market. Completely. You Who know, so, so would have thought? I know, you know, know, it's mad, isn't it? So, so 10 years ago, it's crazy. You know, and what would they have done? I mean, kind of, you know, you're just creating new stuff, and you're, it's just incredible, because people aren't watching television the way they used to, so actually, you know, your numbers might be down to a million, which is still amazing, mm. but actually, you could have two million people watching every, every YouTube cast. Yeah. yeah. So, that's no, like, is, that's incredible. It is phenomenal. Powerful stuff. So, carrying on the TV stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. So,
0: I'm glad we went off slightly there because it is fascinating and we could talk hours about that, I think. Yeah. Um, but, Sorry, yeah, okay. no, 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 it is fascinating. But I'm really fascinated also about the TV experience. Yes. So, that was hard work, great experience. Yeah. I have to say, it was an amazing show. Loved Thank it. You. I absolutely loved it. And you went back to try and get um, a second series. Yes. Tell us about that.
1: Um, well, at the time, it was. Uh, so the production company went back to the BBC. We we, we sort of talked and said, well, what? We, well, where do we go next with this? And they came up with some ideas, and and uh, and the BBC didn't like the ideas enough, so they didn't have a strong enough um, sort of. It wasn't different enough, or it wasn't. Um, I don't know what their what their excuses were. They but they just didn't go for it. They didn't recommission it. So that was a real shame. And it was a real blow actually, because I because everyone thought, you know, it, it was. More people on the final on the final episode. More people watched my program than watched The Simpsons that night. So, so it's one point nine million people watched the final episode of my wow. show, which was amazing. Wow, um, and which is why the book wow. sales were so good, um, and it, it was it did really well in the ratings for a little show on BBC Two.
0: Well, and this is the first one. No one, no one, was, who
1: was. Who, yeah. Who, who,
0: yeah. And no one knows what you are, who you are. There's some guy John around on a camper van. Maybe a couple of people watched it at the beginning. Yeah. And of course, you know, the first episode, the first series, is, is, is going to take a while for people to get to know you.
1: I guess so, yeah.
0: But yeah. by that end one, I mean, it's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it was good. It, it did rise throughout the week. It was really good. And then I was on Harry Hill as well after that, which was hilarious. So, <laughs> Really? Yes. Oh my God. If you look up, uh, for people watching the webcast, if you want to see something very funny, it's called Magic Scones. And it's on YouTube. And it's Harry, Harry Hill taking the piss out of my TV show. And I was on it as well. So it was, very, it was really, really good. Amazing. So that was kind of, that was really nice. But, um, but, you know, after that, when we didn't get the second commission, it was a little bit, you know, I was still reasonably hot property-ish. And I was straight off the back of a new show. So I did lots and lots of journeys up to London to, to go to meetings and to go and talk to people really? and go and see talent spotters yeah. and new production companies. Yeah. And, I, and, and eventually I just ran out of energy and ran out of time. Um, because
0: you've got your other businesses.
1: Because I've got my other business. It's yeah, it going ends. off, it's kicking off, there's loads of stuff going on. Yeah. Um, and I'm started, and, and the TV stuff has enabled me to do more stuff. So I was writing another book. Yeah. And um, it, it just enabled me to write articles and get into what I really wanted to do, which is travel writing. Yeah. So, so I kind of, I'm not saying I've dropped it, but as the interest waned, you know, I just thought, well, okay, fair enough, I'm gonna be a one hit wonder if you yeah. like, and that's fine. Um and that's about the time that I decided to use that Twitter following for something good to do the two minute beach game. But it was um it it was an interesting process. It was quite it's 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 not been fun, some of it, because you realise that you've got to take a lot of rejection. You've got to be hard. Mm. You know, and this this agent was pushing me to do stuff and, and they, were re- they were like real food agencies so I would get calls to say oh Levi Roots can't do a barbecue somewhere can you go and do the barbecue for him and eventually I'd just go no I'm not going to do that I'm sorry I don't want to be half assed I'd rather be really good for me rather than a stand-in so I was being pushed to do um stuff that I didn't really feel comfortable doing
0: and what was what, what do you mean so what was this example really? so they're,
1: they're, my agent was a talent management yeah. agent so basically they would look after your diary yeah. so they would say they'd get you gigs basically so, so they got me on to the, the right stuff or whatever it's called yeah. and they yeah. got me on to Something with my daily time, something so they, they would get me gigs and so they okay. would get me meetings. So,
0: so you go on TV on these sort of like shows and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, go do Saturday morning kitchen and stuff like that.
1: And I did a few of those things, and then I just found that I was being pushed into stuff that I wasn't comfortable with. Mm. Um, you know, I, the, the trained chef thing, you know, it's a, if, if I'd have been a trained chef and I'd have been producing really great food, you know, instead of just kind of camping food. Um, I might have relished those a bit more and, and because I, I could have, my career, I guess could have gone into a real cooking yeah. area but I didn't feel that comfortable with it because I'm a writer, yeah. you know, so I wanted to write so I changed agents and, and went with a more literary agent so that's someone who deals in books mainly yeah. um, and, then, and then tried to sort of get new book commissions because that's what I wanted to do yeah. it took me five years to get another book commission five years, so it would be even longer no five years I think that, you know what well, anybody who's starting out in that
0: world and they think they can make it or they think they've done one thing and they think they've made it yeah. that's, you know it's a massive wake up call because it can be turned off like that can't yeah. it, fundamentally oh god yeah I mean the, you're, you're at the you think, you think you're on TV everyone's seeing you you think where's this going to go next and it's like yeah ooh. well that's
1: the problem I mean, you and know, that's why I say you've got to be tough yeah you've got to be tough because the TV industry is ruthless mm. you know um TV producers, I don't want to be too harsh in case any of them are listening, um, <laughs> but uh, you know they are looking for the next big thing, yeah, because that's what their career rides on, yeah. You know they're only after their own interest, their own survival, yeah. As their reputation, only, their reputation. You know they don't want to put, they don't want to back a duff horse, yeah. So, um, so as so-, so as soon as you become not property they just drop you, you don't even answer the phone you know half the time or answer emails or whatever and you find that the interest wanes and people are less enthusiastic to talk to you and, and you kind of know that it's, it's, shocking, it's, it? it's going it's off the boil well I guess it's the same in any industry but it's just, it just seems more ruthless it just, it's just,
0: but why can't people just be you know hey listen it's not really working out yeah, you I know, guess so. just it's just been polite.
1: Yeah, no one said that to me at all. It's wonderful. It, it was, it, you know, you have to kind of dust yourself down, mm-hmm. and, it, and I don't think it, You know, everyone was very nice about it, but it was just kind of like, yeah, we, you know, thanks very much. It's brilliant. We've got we've got some ideas for you. and We'll get back to you. You know they what, they these guys
0: do. do not know what they're missing out on. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously, that's very good. You know, but even like just following your journey, you know, with the two minutes beach clean and and. and how that can go international—it's just phenomenal. Yeah.
1: But it's—it's it's funny though because it's all come back. So I've been on Springwatch and Autumn Watch and I'm doing some filming with Blue Planet.
0: Amazing.
1: Ne- in the next couple of weeks, so it's all coming back. It's all coming back, you know. And it's all—and it's a funny That's, thing.
0: And it's more to do with the environment.
1: Though. And it's all about where I'm at, you know. And and it's a—it feels like it's more worthy. Yeah. And I'm. And for once, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, i I mean, I do. You know, the whole thing. Every everybody in business, I'm sure, go, looks at themselves and goes, "How the fuck did I get here?" Yeah. You know, because they can't believe that they've had so much success and all, and all they've done. But actually, you don't realise that you you've done shitloads of stuff. You're learning so every language. day. You learn every day. You man. learn every day. Every mistake and every failure is about kind of building you up to the next level 100%. and if you can see it and not give up 100% you know there are for everybody who's a success there are 99 flakes yeah. and you know and I'm sorry it's not you know flakes might be a bit hard but there are you know flaky people who don't don't carry on they just no. flit around from thing to thing no. and actually um, you know being lithe and going where the opportunities lie is where it's at you 100%. know, as far as, as far as I'm concerned and you've got a graph to do it as well You've got to graft
0: and be prepared to fail and expect to fail. I, 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 sort, of, I sort of have a mantra of sort of fail, pivot and move forward. Yeah, I, I just, used to have a thing
1: with um, uh, when I was writing letters to TV companies when I first left college and I, it was about collecting no's. Yeah. You can't have a yes until you've got a whole bunch of no's. Yeah. And I had a file full of letters yeah. that's, that were rejection letters. Yeah. And I kept that and I've still got it somewhere. And I'm really proud of those rejection letters because eventually... I knew that when I'd had enough of them I would get a yes
0: you know what it massively motivates me when people say no or, yeah. they, or they doubt you yeah. it massively motivates me I, I'm like bring it on you, you don't think I can do this I'm going to show you and I'm going to make it happen and I can't wait and it 100% motivates me that, and I'm like well, I'm up for the fight you know I totally am and that, that, so
1: listeners <laughs> that if you take anything from this podcast that do not do not give up do not give up because they want you to. Yeah, and if 100%. you give up, um, you, you're playing into their hands. 100%. So, I mean, it is insane. and I, I've, I can remember when I first left college to try and get work. I can remember sitting in front of a phone, actually weeping, you know, because it was such a hard thing that I had to do. I had to phone this person I didn't know, to phone them up and say, Look, I'm looking for work. Have you got anything for me? And I used to do that all day, and I'd end up in tears because I hated doing it so much but I knew that's the only way, had, was, only way to do it it was scary it's terrifying you didn't want to be rejected don't want to be rejected don't want to kind of get through to the wrong person and have another failure yeah. but then eventually you just go well look it doesn't matter I'll get one eventually and what happens? and what happened? I got some work you know, you. And, I, and on my first job I met my mate Stefan you know, who then put me in touch with the agency 20 years later amazing so it does matter you know.
0: and you know what I think a lot of young people don't do is exactly that. Just literally pick up the phone, knock on the door, and say, can I have a job? They, they, they send a CV. They, they don't make it personal. They don't actually do something different that everyone else is doing. Mm. They literally just follow the rest of the crowd and go on, I don't know, Indeed's you know, monster jobs, put their CV up there, expect it to land on their lap. Yeah. I think the f- what you did back then, actually knock banging on doors, saying, give me a job, give me a job. I, I did literally me bang
1: on doors, yeah.
0: You know, I think that's incredible. Incredible, And I think that's what so many more young people need to be doing. You know, I'll have so much more respect for somebody who actually reaches out to me directly. Yeah. Um, I actually had, it's so odd that you're bringing this up, I had somebody who said, look, I'm looking to, um, you know, get some experience with website stuff and um, creative stuff and sort of social media stuff. And that's not my core business, but I am building a tech startup on the sideline and to a social media presence. And we've got um, a guy who's a subcontractor who's in here all the time, um, Anna, who's helping me do that. So the guy said that I, I want to co- you know, come in, work for free, just to get some experience, see what you guys do. And I just think, wow, I don't know if I'm going to do it yet because I'm going to meet him and talk about mm. it and see what the crack is. But I think the fact is he's looking to do something different he's looking to try and make it happen for him Yeah. he's forcing the, it, forcing it to happen Yeah. and I think that's incredible I take my half to anybody whether this guy is the right you know right fit I don't know yet but I think people need to do things differently and that's not just starting out that's everything
1: yeah yeah it's tough it's tough starting out. And and you know, I don't I don't think it's any oh. tougher now than it was then. But apart from the fact that email makes it easier for people to not even acknowledge mm. your re- receipt of email. Mm. You know, I think that's so rude mm. when people don't respond to you, yeah, know, so. you know, you they get maybe get 100 CVs. They need to write to 100 people. Sorry, if you're yeah. an employer and you're yeah. you're not writing back to the people that apply for your jobs, you're a shit. Yeah. You know, you've got to have some common courtesy. Yeah. And actually, you know, you you <sighs> it is hard. But rejection is easier to take online. <laughs> you know, it's easy if it's if you if an email is ignored. You know, it's hard to ignore it. But if you do literally put on, you know, I I got on a train with my CV and went to London mm. and knocked on doors. I had a list of companies that I wanted to work for, and I knocked on their doors Amazing. and said, "Can I give you my CV, please?" Yeah. You know, didn't always work. Yeah. Most of the time, it didn't, but yeah. sometimes it did. So, um,
0: and it's going into those uncomfortable positions and awkwardness and that those those you know those positions in life that you just don't want to be in, but you force yourself to get into it. Yeah,
1: yeah. You just well, you it's horrible. It's mm. really awful, and it's easy to it's easy not to do it. Mm. And I, you know, I'm the same. You know, we're all the same. Mm. We're all lazy, same. at the essentially. Yeah. Or sorry, we have lazy days, but you know, you've got to got to drag yourself out of bed sometimes and do it and it's that's the mindset
0: the, isn't it it's the mindset yeah. thing forcing yourself to,
1: to yeah. do stuff and it's not even like you know you're not even, I'm not even saying like, come on we're a tiger today and all that sort of crap you just go and do it you mm. know you just go and do it because it will happen mm. and you've got to keep plodding because it's not it's not a race it's a you know, definitely definitely sorry, so it's not a sprint it's a marathon that's why, absolutely <laughs> so just wrap it up so, yes.
0: so we've got some new stuff coming out on TV shortly
1: uh, in theory, there's some stuff on Blue Planet, which is just a little bit of. I'm just doing an interview about beach cleaning and Amazing. stuff, so that's good. Um, my two books are coming out. One is No More Plastic, which comes out on May the third. Brilliant. Also on May the third comes is uh, Take the Slow Road Scotland, which is a book about travelling around Scotland. Amazing yeah so. amazing
0: and is there anyone you want to sort of give a shout out to who sort
1: of... Uh, everybody anybody who ever picked up litter <laughs> Tab Nikki, Dolly yeah. um, the 2 Minute Beach Clean team have been amazing and basically you know anybody who's gone yeah I'll take a pun on you yeah. because they have a lot of people have yeah. you can't do it on your own yeah brilliant so, yeah. it's about the team yeah it's about the team
0: <laughs> awesome thanks buddy that's my pleasure <laughs> what a laugh <life>. brilliant <laughs> Hey podcast peeps, listen, thank you so much for listening to the Ben Parry podcast experience. It means the world to me for you guys to listen and I hope you got some real value out of it. If you can rate and review this podcast, it will mean the world to me as well. And um, listen, I really hope that you can keep tuned in and listen out for much more to come. So yeah, big love and catch up soon guys.